Before I speak, just turn to one another and ask yourselves, what does it mean to love God more deeply? And for 30 seconds, just say to your neighbor what you think it is. Right, let's draw it to a close. Interesting. The first thing I want to say, and it's most probably going to be the most important thing anybody could ever say, is this is it. Loving God, loving your neighbor, that's it. Every single other thing we do is absolutely, completely, and totally irrelevant. You can have as many ministries as you want. You can have as many campuses as you want. You can have as many light groups as you want. But if you don't love God, it's nothing. Do we understand? This is it. The Jews used to pray the Shema, the Shema, three times a day at least. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. My friends, this is it. I cannot emphasize it enough. If we are going to move forward, we need to love. And the only way I can stand here in confidence and guarantee a wonderful future is if we love God. That's it. Are you with me? Do we understand? And this is the journey. So let me read this. First, we love. Why? Because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Next. And so, present yourselves as living stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life in which you all serve as holy priests. And so, you, living stones, loving God, filled with his love, become a sanctuary. What? Vibrant with life. In which we, every single one of us, not just the person at the front or the person leading, serve as a holy priest. Next slide. So I was trying to bring this sermon to close yesterday. And this is what I believe God showed me deeply about what it really means to love God deeply. The first thing, you need to hear. The second thing, you need to respond. 
And the third thing, you must keep moving. The first, you must hear. The second, you must respond. And the third, keep moving. Next slide. This is it. Keep going. And this is our, keep going. Here we are. And this is our vision. This is it. This is what we believe as a leadership. It means to love God deeply as a family. And I'm going to read it quickly. We want to be a place where God's life-changing presence is felt and experienced. Amen. Next. A church that helps us understand God's word in a relevant way. So we are challenged and inspired to become more Christ-like in the messiness of life. Are you getting ever so excited? Please. Next. A church that empowers us to love God with the most insignificant part of what we have. No, it's not, is it? Typo. It's with every single thing that we have. Our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Next. Which is reflected through ridiculously foolish living. Is that correct? No, through godly wisdom, right living, and right relationships. Next. A place where people are safe to seek and to ask questions. Next. And where people are regularly making decisions to follow Christ and grow God's kingdom here in Bradford. Amen. Come on. This is it. This is it. Question from the floor. Absolutely. And uh, we do need to give... A massive thanks to Josie because she was the lady that took every single, it was about 350,000 ideas and scripture verses and it was her who coalesced it beautifully into that vision statement. I think a round of applause. And guys, you will be getting that. You will be getting that. Next slide. So what does it all mean for us? Next slide. Does anybody know who this is? Anybody? No idea. This is Aurelia Browers, 29 years of age. And Aurelia, sadly, suffers with mental health. She's got mental health issues. So at the beginning of this year, they did a documentary. And what she did is she went to her doctor. The doctor gave her some medicine. She drank it and she died. She was euthanized. She was put down. Do we understand what that means? So this is the first challenge that we have to understand. We live in a world which has become devoid of the image of God. Do you you get it? So this is where love hits the road. And this is what we need to become. You're just a machine, we are told. That's all you are. And in our culture, what we want to do is want to fix problems. How do you want to fix them? Really quickly really quickly, isn't it? Anybody in the healthcare, we've got to fix it quickly. So we treat people like a machine. And there's something called instrumental rationality. I've talked about it before. We've got to try and fix things as quickly as we can by tweaking a few little things. That's what we have to do. So they tried with Aurelia, and it didn't quite work. So the only solution was to put her down. And people called that 
listen, love. That's love. Next slide. The Bible tells us fundamentally that the biggest problems in the world are all relational ones. Now, that's not to diminish. That's not to diminish what people suffer. And it really did suffer. But the biggest problems are relational problems. Broken relationships with who? God. And if you have a broken relationship with God, you don't understand yourself. And then when you don't understand yourself, you don't understand other people. And when you don't understand other people, you can't really get on with them that well. And society starts to break down. And when you don't understand all those things, how do you work in the world? I look at this fella. Your life. And where that life was heading. And the Bible says we end up shattered and broken. Like broken stones. Ground down. Worn. Beaten. I used to play a lot of rugby. And every morning I wake up, Heather has to check the bed for missing body parts. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, here's another finger. Oh, bit of tooth. We end up ground down and broken. And there in the Old Testament, we have this lovely story of shalom. This is God's heartbeat. This is God's blueprint of redemption. And it says this, for God so loved people, he has come for the broken stones. So if you're a broken stone here this morning, it's wonderful news. Because those are the only people God wants to use. Because he loves you so much that he's going to do something really special with you. Do you know what he's going to do? He's going to take all the broken bits and he's going to put them back together into something that's beautiful and wonderful. Why? Because he loves you. So in the Old Testament, Joshua 8, we are given the image of something called a shalom stone. Next. It's back in the Old Testament. No, I want you to think forward to living stones, sanctuary to the Lord, holy temple. Get that one. Joshua 8 is a shalom stone. Now, this is a stone which was not made by human hands. Do we understand? I cannot do anything really to change you. If you have a problem, Richard, I can't really do anything and tweak things to change you. I can't. God can. Do you understand? Do we all understand? In this world, I, I can't tweak any of you to make you what you want to be. God can. It's a stone not made by human hands. But this stone, which was broken, has been put back together so wonderfully by God that it can fit together beautifully to create wonderful things like, next slide, a kingdom of God, a sanctuary, a temple. Because we all are become one. We fit together, we work, and we start to repair what is broken. Next slide. So shalom means for God to take all the broken pieces back together and make everything new. What does it look like? New Testament, Colossians 1. What do we read? Jesus Christ, the image of God, the creator of all things, whether they're things on heaven or things on earth, be they thrones, principalities, powers, he's made them all. They're for him and through him. And then what does it say? And God was pleased to reconcile all these things back together through the blood of Christ, which brings shalom. Do we get it? God is doing a work. He loves us, and he's going to take everything 
This is his commitment, the blueprint of redemption, to take all the broken pieces of every single thing and put it back together by reconciling it to who? To him. Because when things are reconciled to God, things then get made new. And it's a complete restoration. Exodus 22. We usually translate shalom as peace. It's totally insignificant for the job. So I'll tell you what it means. Say I accidentally drove into your house in a lorry and smashed it to bits. Yeah? And your Lego collection that you've worked on for years. Yeah? I did that. And I said, really sorry, Richard. Didn't mean to. Are we okay? Do we have peace? Yeah? That's not the Old Testament definition of peace. Do you know what peace is? I'm sorry I smashed through your house in in a truck and broke your Lego collection. I'm going to build you a new house. And I'm going to put your Lego collection back. And I'm going to chuck in a few extra Lego pieces for you, just out of the goodness of my heart. Do we understand? That is making peace. It's not saying, sorry, oh, I'm a klutz. Sorry about that. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's putting things right and back together. And Exodus 22 tells us it's a complete restoration. And when Jesus Christ came, he said exactly the same thing in Matthew 19. At the end of all things, when I make all things new. That's what he has come to do, to make all things new. That was the promise of Isaiah 65, which we read. Behold, I have come to make a new heavens and an earth, where the lion will lie down with the lamb. Do we get it? They normally are not happy bedfellows. You put a lion and a lamb together and... What happens? It's like a Rottweiler with a pork chop. It's carnage. And he wants to put the whole world right. Now this is the essence of the covenant. That's Ezekiel 34. Behold, I bring a covenant of shalom. That's what it's all about. That's God's agreement. He wants to work with us as broken stones to make everything right and put everything back together so that everything can flourish. That's the covenant of shalom. And that's how much God loves us. Do we understand? We love because he first loved us. And he's so committed If you're broken here today and if you feel broken and ground down, God is so committed to putting you back together that he died for you. He died for you so he could put the pieces back together again. A walk in the woods. What's that about? Next slide. I was wrestling with this talk. Because if I don't think I have something to give, I am useless. I really need to feel I have something to share. If not, get somebody else in, put a tape on. And I was struggling. How am I going to communicate something? So I went for a walk in the woods, and John Biglands was there with me. Are you here today, John? There he is. And I just said, John, what does it mean for you to love God? Or how do you experience God's love? And it was a remarkably beautiful day in Northcliffe Woods. It really was special. And he looked and he said, I see God in creation. The way he's made everything. The way it all responds to him. The way his love has come out to the whole world. 
And as I looked, I had a bit of an epiphany for this sermon, a bit of a moment. Because I looked, and there were the trees, all the trunks. The sun was shining through them, and it was dappled light. And then all of a sudden, a breeze. Not just a tiny little breeze. It was a very gentle breeze, but it moved every single leaf in the entire woods. Have you ever been there? It moved every single leaf in the entire woods. And this is what I think it means to love God deeply. The woods, for me, became the world. And every single leaf is every single person in it. And what happens? God is constantly moving, like the wind. His love shines down on us like the sun, and he is constantly moving like the wind. And what do we have to do as leaves? Respond. Here. What are you doing, God? I've come to put you back together, point number one. What else are you doing? I want you to join with others and become a holy temple through which you are vibrant with life and people start to see my love in you so that you can be used to start to put other people back together again. Do we understand? So the big response for us, I feel, is God is constantly around us. Wherever we are, walking down the street at work, he is constantly there, moving like the wind. So for us to love him, what does he want? Just an open, an open heart. What are you doing, God? What are you doing to make me new and for me to join with you in somehow making this world a better place, my street, my town, my, na- my neighborhood, my city? That's what it means to love God deeply, to be open to him. And the next thing, it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been a Christian, you keep moving. Why? God's spirit keeps moving. He's always at work to renew and to restore and to redeem. So it's not knowing God and loving God is not about, again, knowledge in your head that you can recite the Bible off by heart. That's not it. It's are you hearing God's voice, responding to that divine impulse, becoming new so that you, too, can make other people new. Next slide. We're nearly there. And this is the next important thing. We are called to become people of shalom. We are called to become people of shalom. Three times you hear that phrase in the Old Testament, and it's somewhat bittersweet. So the idea of a person of shalom is this. You draw someone so close into your life that what develops is proper intimacy proper trust, and proper confidence so that they almost become part of your very life. That's a person of shalom. You become so close to somebody that you develop proper intimacy, proper confidence, and proper trust. But the Bible talks about a sting in the tail because if those people hurt you, you get really hurt. Don't we, guys? And not being flippant, don't we, guys? There was a person of shalom in your life. They were supposed to care for you. And what did they do? And it stings. And it hurts. And it damages. So what does the Bible call us to be? True people of shalom. Where we bring people, all of us together, the broken stones, we don't hurt. 
but we develop such a contact, such a bond that we develop intimacy, true intimacy, true confidence, and true trust. If we can't do that, we don't love God because why? His love isn't in us. Because he calls us into intimate relationships. And that's where healing is found. If we want to transform ourselves and be a light in this city, we have to develop relationships of shalom. And that's risky. Because people are smelly. It's true. I don't know if you know. Unpredictable. A bit thorny. A bit spiky. To the point where a philosopher called Schopenhauer said, we're just like hedgehogs. We're like hedgehogs. And he said, the problem is, because we're like hedgehogs, the closer we try to get to one another, the more we hurt one another. So do you know what he said we need to do? We said we just need to realize that, separate from one another, and die alone in the cold. I wouldn't invite him to a party. No way. So I remember hearing this story and um, years ago, sitting in a, in, a, in a meeting at church, a food bank meeting, and just, then does anybody remember Glynn? Do you remember Glynn? He used to serve in the church. He's down living in Colma. Lovely fellow, isn't he? Well, he turned up way too early for food bank one morning. Pressed the buzzer way too early and it was tipping down with rain. So as a person of Shalom, I said, stay out in the rain we're sorting stuff out. It's a bit of an inconvenience, you turning up early. I said, look, you can come in if you want to, because it's tipping down. But we're having a devotional time. We're praying. Are you okay with that? And Glenn said, yeah, yeah. Well, of course he's going to say yes. He's freezing to death and it's raining. So he came in. And I talked about Schopenhauer. And there were hedgehogs out in the cold. And Glenn had just had a bad divorce. His relationship had broken down. And I said, I had the wonderful privilege to say, That's exactly the opposite of what God's love is. He takes us, broken stones, prickly, thorny people, and he makes it so that we can actually come together and not die alone in the cold, but become a holy temple, vibrant with life, whereby we can start to transform our lives and join with Christ in making all things new. And like a little, you should have seen him, he was like a little rabbit afterwards, ran straight up to me, that's my life. It's full of broken relationships. I want my prickles removed. And he stayed for I don't know how many years until he went to Cornwall. Bless him. Guys, that's what it means to love God deeply. Let him change us. Put him number one in our lives. Hear his voice and then work with him as people of Shalom to make all things new and never stop never ever stop keep going keep moving and keep growing i was going to do a testimony but uh, sadly they couldn't turn up this morning but i thought i'd just mention a couple of people who came to our church as broken stones so guys i hope you don't mind living in a garbage can, suffered a lot, a seriously broken stone. What did God do to you? Transformed you, started to heal you and make you new. 
and now you shatter lives for a living through your wrestling. <laughs> How ironic, isn't it? Now what do you do? You serve a job club. You're an alpha course. And I tell you what you are. You're a true connector. You're a true person of shalom. That's what you are. People love you and connect with you. And it'll be in that connection that you will change lives. Woody, you used to be a scud missile, didn't you? You could go off at any time in any direction and nobody knows where it would go. But God took you, a broken stone, and he's turned you around and turned you into a spiritual exocet missile. He knows exactly where he wants you to go. He knows exactly what kind of territory and terrain he wants you to break down. And he knows the lives that you want to win. Stuart Miller, where is he? Is he around? Ooh, he was a tough old fella. Oh, hard as granite, weren't you? Seriously. When it comes to granite, he is the top. I remember meeting him and he was asking me questions. Go, granite man. Granite man. So he'd had loads of questions. And I remember I was really cheeky because I'm a canny taff. He'd say, where does it say that in the Bible? And I said, you need to read the book of John for that. A week later, he'd come back and he said, I've read the book of John. It's nowhere in there. Oh, did I say the book of John? I meant the book. Oh, silly me. Read the book of Luke. A week later, I've read the book of Luke. There's nothing in there. So there's, because I know I can't do anything with granite man. I can't tweak his knob, so all of a sudden he says, oh, isn't Jesus his king? I love him. And then one day, in his front room, he'd read the Bible 13 times, thanks to the canny taff. <laughs> he, did. he just said, God, if you're true, you've got to show me and wallop. In came the Spirit of God. And look at him now. He's caring and healing and restoring and making new. So guys... Let's close. If you're a broken stone, praise God, because we all are. And if you don't think you are, you ain't going to be used. And what God wants to do, his love, he wants to come put you right. Every single last piece. And he's going to do that for the entire world. And what he wants us to do is just open up to him. Be healed, be restored, be made new. And then join with others as people of Shalom to join him in his ministry of making all things new do you see this is it and if we do that who knows where the future will lead let me pray dear father we thank you that you have come for every single one of us out of your immeasurable love that you have promised through the blood of jesus christ to make us whole and make us new. And you have also promised through your spirit to join us together as living stones so that we can become a temple vibrant with life and where every single one of us can serve as a holy priest. So Father, let us just be faithful in three things. Let us be open to hear you. Let us be open to respond the beautiful whisper and move of your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that you will give us the energy we need to keep moving. So I pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen.